Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. again and welcome to episode 148 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Zach Meisenheimer. No, actually I'm Steve Pander. <laughs> and yes, Steve is back with us. We we listened to the requests from our listeners, but we ignored them and we, we brought them back in. Anyway. Yeah, definitely. So we're excited here. The MLS season is just around the corner. Always, it's always a special buzz about opening day, first kick. Y- you've had months of the off season with no football to watch. Then the preseason kicks in. You get a little bit excited about the new signings, and then you just want to see how it's all going to come into play and how good are the Whitecaps going to be this year? Can they improve on last year? Can they build upon the success that Cal Robinson's had in the last two years? And most importantly of all, can they see off those pesky Montreal folk? Well, it all depends on who Montreal decides to bring. Um, it, it, to start off the season against Montreal once again, it's like it, uh, it seems like MLS has very little imagination on who to have opponents. Yeah, it seems to irritate. Year, it's Toronto or Montreal. Yeah, it, it, it's it's I, like I said before, and I've said this other years too. It's better to have one of those teams down the road, maybe play them in the summer where there's less, you know, people coming out in the summertime because it's such good weather, and then maybe have those people want to attend a Montreal game, everybody's going to attend a first kick game no matter who it's against. So I think you should do weaker opponents to start off the season and be stronger down the road. Yeah, it's, it has become really predictable. It's like you kind of knew, okay, there was Toronto last year, they came to town, so it's going to be Montreal this year. There was the one year it was New York. Yeah. But other than that, like that, you said... That was a bit of a curveball. It's, it's partly the... the Problems for Montreal and Toronto as well because they live in a frozen tundra. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, they'll never be able to open up a season probably. But the good thing from a Whitecaps point of view is it looks like Didier Drogba is not coming. Did it, was anybody surprised about that? Maybe the well, I think the Whitecaps marketing team might be. Yeah, and the thousands of Chelsea fans that are expected to be there hurling with their banners. Um, you know what? I hope they. People, somebody said it in a, one of the comments. Uh, oh, hopefully these Chelsea fans don't show up now and and hurl their banners for Drogba. I hope they show up. That'd be awesome. It's like that one year when uh, the year after Beckham uh, retired and people were surprised that Beckham wasn't at the game or something like that. A year after he retired. And the Whitecaps did their big marketing push as well. Don't come for Drogba, come for the Whitecaps. Maybe, maybe the reason they did that because they knew Drogba was showing yeah. up. <laughs> but what did you think of that? It's, it's had a bit of mixed reaction online. 
some folk are like, why would you not want to come for Drogba? Why would you not want to come and watch these big players and, and buy a ticket just for that? I, I Honestly, I don't see where, where people are getting upset about it. It's like people are just getting upset about everything these days. It's the white caps want to do this promotion where they want to be confident in their own product and they don't want to have... Other, As they should be. And, and you know what? I On the way here, I listened to an ad and they actually did mention Drogba, Piatti, and, and I don't know who the third player was. Oh, the Simon. Simon. So they mentioned the three players as well. And they, and they were mentioning that they lost in the Voyager's Cup. So they, there's nothing wrong with promoting one way or the other. You could do both, in fact, if you I, want. The Caps are quite right. I, I'd, I'd take it a bit further. I'd just have an ad that said... If you're coming to cheer for one of the opposition players, piss off, we don't want you. Yeah, I don't think they're going to do that. No, that, that is why I didn't get the marketing job with, with the Caps, yeah. I think. And it's something which I've said before, it's like, folk are like, oh, but you want to see the top-name players like Lampard and Drogba and Perlo and all these guys come and play at, at BC Place. And officially, Carl Robinson will say, well, we, we want our players to be tested against the best players in the league. It's all nonsense. If a team can be under strength, if a team can be without one of their prime attacking threats and one of the guys that's going to be the biggest danger to you, all the better. Glad he's not coming. Hope all the stars don't come this year and we're guaranteed lots of three-point games for the Whitecaps at BC Place. What I would do is, this might upset some people, obviously, but what I would do is I would put the uh, Montreal game single tickets. I wouldn't even sell single tickets for them. I would put in a two-game package with... Like say a Columbus or or some other team like that yeah. that nobody comes to see it, but to make people want to have to have to buy two tickets if to, I mean tickets to two games instead of the one. They should have done that with New York City last year. Actually, oh, that, yeah. that would be a fantastic. Thing. Like so, no single tickets available for this game. You got it's only available in two game packs. Maybe there is a hope for us getting a job with the White Caps marketing <laughs> here. So we're kicking off the season at home, sixth MLS season, sixth first kick game. That's a well, Thanks. I was going to say BC plays by Empire Field for the first one, but sixth home game to kick off the season. Thanks for the dome. That's exactly what, essentially the reason why. And, uh, and obviously the weather is, we have a 50-50 chance it's not going to be frozen over. And one of the big talking points at Whitecaps training on Tuesday was the fact that, that, that they're coming back home, but the need within that to do better at home this season. last year, yeah. yeah. It, it, was, it was a touch and go. If not for their impressive road record... Uh, Whitecaps would not be anywhere sniffing the top of the uh, Western table. They were, they 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 were good at home, but there were some, really some points where they should have won games that they didn't show up for. There's a couple of spells in this season, especially early on, like April May, where they they just seem to struggle to get the job done. They're playing Eastern Conference teams that they usually do well against, but they they were getting draws or defeats and. The home fortress, I mean, the, the good thing about it was we didn't have to have constant tweets going on about Fortress BC Field and all that, yeah, yeah. which is great. I want to have a fortress at Defend home. Defend the fortress. But yeah, <laughs> don't, don't go on so much about it because then when you lose it, it makes it look worse. And then when you then can't string a win together for a couple of games at home, it just makes it look even worse still. Yeah. But it is a key. If the Whitecaps could win every single home game... You're looking at fifty-four points. Exactly. You got that's what you have to shoot up for, and then, and then you just win those few here and there on the road. Obviously, you're going to draw points at home, so you just make up those on the road, and you, you should be able to, you know, finish again where Bowles well, finished last year. It's it's a matter of I think, I think they have to. I think there were times when they were maybe too under pressure on trying to entertain the fans last year at home, and they came out of their way, and then when they would play out the road, 
it would be, you know, a, such a, like, they would be right on point with the game plan, and they played to a T, and then that would be able to, that's why they picked up so many points on the road, but when they got home, maybe they were maybe nervous about entertaining the fans, and they got off their game, they weren't listening to the coaches, and, maybe, and then opening up too many channels for other people to score. That was actually something that Mauro Rosales, God rest him. He's not dead. Yes, to me, he's going to Dallas. <laughs> okay. But Mauro Rosales, when I talked to him last year, that was actually a point that he raised. He said that there is a, a feeling with some of the younger players, it's like a rush of blood to their head, that it's just attack, 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 let's please the fans, let's get some goals, and yeah. then left himself short at the back, and then... They put extra pressure on themselves because they're and, not getting the goals. And the visiting teams are gonna are, are sitting back when they're playing here, so you can't like attack, attack because they're gonna be they're gonna be counterattacking, and that's where you're gonna give up the goals and you get behind, and then you're more attacking, and then they'll put up more holes. So it's a really vicious cycle there. They gotta they gotta play solid at the beginning, let the game come to them, and then find their holes. Well, there were so many teams last year that played the Whitecaps perfect counterattacking road game at BC Place and, and they did well and, and they came away with the points and I think that's exactly what Montreal were going to come and do on Sunday if they're without Drogba which it's not official but it's basically official he's not going to come it'll be his, a Thierry Henry experience basically yeah his knees are shot he can't play in turf really which is the reason that the Whitecaps would have loved to have maybe brought a guy like Connor Casey say in, in yeah. the off season, but he can't play in turf for a full season. For a yeah. full season, because his knees just won't won't put up with that. And with Drogba, it looks the same. His knees aren't going to be able to cope in turf. It's a big loss for Montreal. Maybe they're going to follow what I've just suggested and just play all the home games and try and get their fifty-four points at home yeah. and then just build on that. Well, there's some games that they can play on the road and on grass and everything like that. Of course, that's if he's even here past the summer. Yeah, that's and, true. And the lure of Chelsea doesn't force him into retirement and and back to Stamford Bridge. But Montreal's loss is Vancouver's gain, and I do think you're going to kind of see a more cagey Montreal team. It's like that one time after the World Cup when I remember they they brought in and they were I think they were playing like six seven by the end of the game oh, there were seven defenders. God, that I, no, I don't no think it's game. gonna be that bad because they got guys like Piatti and they got like they added a Harrison Ship now to the team another uh, somewhat attacking central mid but they might be playing them on the wing uh, depending on how they line up. Uh, but they do have a, a nice uh, you know other than the striker if Dogo doesn't show up they're gonna have a nice thing. But you were talking before we started recording and we think. It most likely will be Aduro who's going to be starting in place of Drogba. It, it, it makes more sense because of ex- experience and if they play a counteracting style, his speed. Yep, Big D, I think, will be up front for them. I'm a big fan of Aduro. I like what he offers. He's Even a kind of guy. He puts the pizza in his hair. Yeah, it's he's a character. Yeah. He's a good goal scorer. He is a threat. And a battle of him against Kendall Waston will be a joy to behold, I think, on Sunday. Yeah. But I think a guy like Tim Parker will also be able to like hold his own against because he, he if you think of it, Aduro's got speed. Parker is the guy that would be the guy you know if there was like a one on one battle, Parker would be the one that want, you want to match up because they both got matching speed and everything. I think if it was Drogba, I think Waston would be the one that would be marking him heavily. That would have been a fantastic battle yeah. as well. But before we look too much into who Montreal might put out on Sunday and and what they might do in the game and and how their season's going to be. Let's have a little brief recap of how they've done pre-season. And first of all, the players, the Whitecaps haven't brought many players in. Montreal have brought in even less. Only four new additions. And only one, I think, of really 
starting quality. Yeah, well, well, two have come from the Super Draft as well. Yeah. Michael Salazar, who, who just signed on Tuesday, and Kyle Fisher as well. But yeah, two other signings apart from that. One... Uh, Lucas Ontivero, uh, a loan from Galatasaray in Turkey. And he's like he's like a 5'6", forward slash midfielder. I think he'd probably be a winger. Size is not important, as Christian well, Teixeira showed. I know, I'm just letting you know who like, describing the player. <laughs> but of course, yeah, the the big addition to their squad... Surprising addition, too. I, 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 <laughs> I, think, the, I think the most shocking addition of the off-season, yeah. even more than Perez coming to Vancouver, yeah. Harry Ship. Traded in the middle of February from Chicago, just shocked everyone. It was a Friday. Shocked, it was a Friday afternoon. I'm sh- sure it was. <laughs> shocked Harry Ship as well, yeah. who was very emotional about it. He'd, he'd watched Chicago as a boy, as a fan. Joined the team, loved playing for the team. Had two seasons with the team. Was coming on really good. Was a guy that you would kind of see as. The, the, the face of the team yeah, for were, years to come the guy that was going to be there maybe for 10 years if he didn't get a transfer to Europe or something and emotional for ship and emotional for the fans of Chicago Fire too remember yeah. the vitriol that was on Twitter and everything and it, like that Whoa. it's like the new, the new Chicago managers come in he's cleaned house yeah. complete rebuild which appears to be a rebuild of getting rid of your, your best players and then just rebuilding from it it's maybe hard to knock it because they, they went to the the Portland simple invitational tournament last week and got three wins yeah. beating Portland and beating Vancouver in the process so maybe what he's doing is right but Harry Ship great addition for Montreal yeah I think so I think it really solidifies their midfield um, like we said we don't know how they're going to play but um, some people have projected them him to be playing as a wide area player um, depending on how they line up but I think he's going to be bring a lot of Attacking ability and uh, and if they want to, they can always play him as a holding midfield too. I think. And they they, they lost three midfielders in the off season. Justin Mapp left. Yeah. He was out of contract. He's, he, that's the spot. I think he. No, we played on left side. So yeah. yeah. Deli Duca. He left. He was yeah. out of contract. And our good friend, Mister Bike Rack, Nigel Roman Coker, contract terminated in January by mutual consent. Yeah, and, and but we don't know where he's gone to. Ah, who cares? He, he's gone. He's not going to come back to MLS, hopefully. Um, yeah, goodbye, Nigel. And the other two players, kind of players that, that saw a, a bit of time last year for them, Eric Miller, he's gone to Colorado. Yeah. And the option was declined on striker Kenny Cooper. And, of course, with Cooper going, with Drogba being injured... The, the striking options aren't huge for Montreal just now, which is why we think Adura will start. But a guy that that started last season on fire for them, Cameron Porter, yeah. he's back, back fit, back healthy, played pre-season. Oduro played up front for Montreal against Toronto in a, in a 1-1 game. And that was their last kind of pre-season game that I think we can read too much into. Because the next one against the NASL team, I think. Right? Yeah, Tampa yeah. Bay Rowdies, they drew 0-0 on Saturday there. So it was 1-1 against Toronto. They kind of played just one up front with Oduro. He played for just over an hour and then Porter came on for him. And I think that might be what we see on Sunday as well. Oduro starting off and then depending what the score is, either Porter coming on for him or Porter coming on to to play alongside with them if it's still level uh, and they think they can maybe sneak something out of this game. But I think, uh, talking about all those other players' ship and everything, I think still the most... I know Drogba is obviously the most important player because he scores the goals, but I think the guy that runs the team is going to be Piatti. 
And I think he'll, and he, obviously he'll contribute goals and everything, but I think he'll be the guy that runs the team. I thought it was Saputo that ran the team. Well, I mean, like on the field. Ah. So he's Although sometimes he gets on the field too after the game. True, the, the cheesemonger himself. Yeah. Now, Whitecaps preseason went fantastic. Six games, five wins, one defeat, which was that narrow 3-2 defeat against Chicago. Which, if you think of it, looking back, I know everybody says this about losses and wins, but just that Morales giveaway was horrible. And that was his, I can think of that was his first game in that position too, right? Yeah, and, and two it was just penalties a horrible start. given away by Kendall Waston. And one of them a was... Long season ahead now for Kendall. That was, one of them was really bad because it was just like almost like a bumping into and they yeah. called it a penalty. I don't think that was a penalty. So... I I, th- I still take that Chicago game with a grain of salt, but all the other games, obviously, the other teams were in preseason form as well, but I think a solid preseason for the Whitecaps overall. Yeah, and ultimately, preseason tells you nothing. Nothing at all, but the, it's the just, Whitecaps it gives have you an done idea. so well in preseason in the yeah. past. Darren Maddox has done so well in preseason for the past for the Whitecaps, and then it doesn't kind of translate when the season gets underway. Preseason is more like to see individuals than to see the whole team and see where individuals are going into the season. Well, looking at Montreal's games, they were kind of playing, it seemed, as a team of individuals. They had five games, started off with a 5-0 thumping to New York Red Bulls, followed by a 1-0 loss to New York City. So they they got their first win in a preseason tournament uh, against DC United, a a healthy 4-1 win. DC obviously had their, their mind on other things, the, the Champions League games that came up, failed miserably in. But Which all MLS did. Then their big game, the grudge match, the 1-1 draw against Toronto. Uh, that was on February 24th, and then they wrapped up their pre-season on Saturday with a 0-0 draw against Tampa Bay Rowdies. It was Oduro that got the goal in that 1-1 draw against Toronto. Assist from ship. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think we're... The lineup that we saw for that is pretty much what I think we're going to see on Sunday. Looking at their lineup, then, who do you think, or what's your gut feeling that Montreal might put out there? Well, I think obviously the top players the, um, that they will be putting out. I think the their maybe their best three players other than Drogba are going to be Piatti, Ship, and uh, and uh, at the back line. I think those guys will be there. I. I th- Looking at their lineup, they're kind of again. I didn't watch too much, but just on paper, they look kind of weak on the on the wide areas. Um, so I think the and that might play into Vancouver. What Vancouver's been doing about in the preseason about attacking the wide areas with Fraser Aaron, who I think will start, and, and uh, Jordan Harvey or Sam and Kube. But I think because of the fact that even though we don't know these players, the fact that they. I think they have 24 returning players, and most of these guys were on the team last year. I think they will have some kind of chemistry. And I think down the road, down the season last year, they were really good defensively. So I think that's what they're going to rely on in this game. And if you have a look at some of the projected lineups that's out there, Soccer by Ives has, has got one as well. And then you can look at the lineup that they put out against Toronto. Very, very similar. Yeah. Eric Kronberg or Evan Bush and goal. That's, that's that's kind. Of, I think that that would be the. But I think Kronberg has more. No, they're similar in experience. Yeah. I mean, that's a toss up for me. Yeah. I, I think we're going to see Oyongo at right back, centre midfield, Simon and Cabrera, Donny Toya out in the left, and you're going to have kind of Donadell playing as like the one one man holding. It looks like they're going to kind of play. I don't know. You could say four one four one. Or four three three maybe it's hard yeah, to tell what the I, lineup I, I, is going to be. I think for for the first game, traveling to home. BC Place, yeah. 
they're on the road. I think they're going to go with 4-1-4-1 with Donadell ha- having that kind of holding midfield role. Then in the middle, you're kind of looking at Eric Alexander, Harry Shipp, Johan Venegas. Yeah, Callum Alice maybe when you move yeah, to the spot he, he, here and there because he's he's been in the league for a couple of years now too. It's, it's too hard for me to tell because yeah. I don't, like I said, we don't follow Montreal too much. I think whatever they do, they are probably going to uh, lean towards the defensive side, other than the ship and Piatti and the Duro. Yeah, top. I mean, Piatti and Aduro for me, are the two danger men, along with ship that the Whitecaps just have to watch for. Yeah. Take care of that, and I, I honestly don't think that we're going to have too much to worry about on yeah. Sunday. So I, I guess we'll wrap this segment up with a, a little prediction. I got the Whitecaps winning 2-0. I, I like that. Yeah, I I think 2-0 or 3-0. Uh, I think we're going to see Rivero starting this season the way he started last season, getting a goal. And I, I'd like to see Bolanius kind of getting his name on the score sheet and like kicking off his Whitecaps career in some style. I think I think, I think both goals are going to come similar to the where they're coming from in the preseason. I think they're going to be attacking down the wings and sending balls in. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's an own goal somewhere in there too. And we kind of talked in the last podcast as to what we thought that the Whitecaps starting lineup might be. So we'll just quick nod to that because that was with Zach we talked about that. So Eisted obviously starting. Yes. The back four looks set now that it's going to be aired with Waston beside him, then Parker and then Harvey. And that that's a good balance because, and I agree with you there, it's a good balance because you got aired with Waston. Waston can watch out for him, has the veteran leadership there. Parker, you have Harvey with him. So basically... Each each veteran has, uh, I mean, each young guy has a veteran beside him, kind of to help him out there. And I think that's exactly why why Robbo is going with Harvey over Adekugbe, and the the two of them, again, such a close battle for this preseason. Harvey looks to have won it again for now. I think Adekugbe will see a lot more time though. Yeah, this, this last he definitely year. will. And the, the interesting switch is he's switching like Parker and Waston yeah. to have Parker not on the right side that he's familiar with, but. I think as well, Waston's not going to be tearing up the field, whereas Aird is yes. a lot more than Harvey is as well. So I guess if you want to attack the Whitecaps, you're maybe going to want to attack down what would be your left side, the Whitecaps' right. That's where the concern Aird, is, is Piatti's yeah, on that side. Because Aird could be out of position, yeah. and if you get past Aird, Waston could clobber you for a penalty, or, or worse, so yeah, exactly. sending off or something. So there's that. I think... The, the lineup that we saw in the in the final game against Minnesota is pretty much what it's, it's going to be. I think we're going to kind of see the 4-1-4-1, 4-2-3-1 with Laba in instead of Froze, but with Pedro playing that kind of deeper DM stroke CM free, free role, yeah, freelance role. I just think that's what let him be. wander about, and he loves that. Yeah. He loves just the ability to to wander about. Because not only not only does it give him more ability to be creative, but it gets him away from if there's somebody like if there's any man marking going on, it'll get him more free of that. So if a he'll he'll pull people out of position if there is a man like say um, they just say they want to concentrate Donadell on Morales. They won't be able to do that because Morales will play deeper and then he'll sneak up and then so Donald won't know where Morales is. So I think that that's a positive there. Yeah, it it, it looks good. The only kind of thing to throw the apple in the works is Kikutamani doesn't look like he's good to go. He seems to have this nagging ankle injury. My gut feeling is it might be a little bit worse than the white caps are letting on that it is, yeah. and that they're hoping it's going to clear up without any need for surgery or whatever. Just have this nagging doubt that he might need some surgery, which 
If he did, it's better to get that earlier in the season than, than later. It's it's it, but it's more it's it's not like a it's not a serious. Oh no, I mean he's point, playing. Right? Yeah, he's but he playing. looks a step off his game. Okay, he doesn't so, look as sharp. He doesn't look like he has those bursts that that. So if there is a, if there is a surgery, it's most likely going to be like a you know almost like a touch up kind of thing. So he's not out too long, or do you think he'd be out for an extended period? Depends how major it is, but I mean, hopefully. Well, that's what I'm asking yeah, you. I mean, it seems I, like because you're not saying it's a break or no. it's a tear, a major tear or anything like that. It could my be a my concern tear. is that he plays with the injury and he makes it worse, which makes it a longer term yeah, injury, like a uh, Omar Salgado kind of injury where yeah. it's like a foot injury. Oh god, let's hope it's not like the Omar Salgado injury that he just can shake off. And then uh, a couple of years ago, Etienne Barbero, who had that groin injury, who just couldn't help him get on the field. I, I think he maybe played it. I don't even think he played in MLS minute or anything. Like no, that. I, 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 I see, don't remember honestly. If Mane doesn't play, then you're going to have to share on the left, Balanius on the right, as opposed to Balanius in the middle. And then it's you play the two strikers up front, Rivera and Perez, like they did against Minnesota, because Kudo isn't going to be Ready. good to go by the signs of it. Okay. Um, Carroll kind of indicated that he he didn't think he was going to be good for Sunday, or. Are you going to play Pedro in the number 10 role and play Kian's froze back there beside Pedro? So, I mean, that that's, I think, the only big decisions for the Whitecaps just now. We know we're going to see Bolaños. We know we're going to see Rivero. We know we're going to see Teixeira. It, it's just who eventually takes it to the pitch. And if they play Perez and Rivero up top, because um, you, you, Rivero always likes to drop back. So he's almost going to play a pseudo number 10. And Morales will still be in that midfield role. Uh, where he could freelance. So I don't think it'll make too much of a difference if they have to play two men on top to the actual strategy and, uh, and where they want to put, have their game plan going. And whoever does take the field for the Whitecaps on Sunday, there's going to be a, a few MLS debutants. Frazier is going to make his debut. And of course, Christian Bolanius is going to make his Whitecaps debut at BC Place. We've seen him a, a lot in pre-season. He's played on the right wing. He's played on the left wing. He's played in the number 10 role. The flexibility and the skill and the ability that Bolanius is going to bring to this Whitecaps team this season is exciting. Mouth-watering for me. And it's a guy that Kyle Robinson has coveted for a while. And just from what we've seen in the, in the preseason games, he's, he's a guy that it could be the difference maker for the Whitecaps this year. He's definitely one of those X-factors that can take a team from, like, the conference semi-finals to all the way to the MLS Cup, basically. I got a chance to speak to Christian down in Portland last week just to to find out why he come to MLS at this stage in his career. A little bit of a career overview about his time over in Europe, playing in the World Cup with Costa Rica, playing in the, the Youth World Cup with Costa Rica as well, and just what he's hoping to achieve in his footballing career that's still to come and just how he's settling into Vancouver. So let's hear now from Vancouver Whitecaps, Costa Rican playmaker, Christian Bolaños. First thing to ask you, Christian, you've come to MLS now. Had there been interest in the past for you to come over here? And I guess, what what made you decide that now is a good time to come? Oh, you know, it's, it's, I think it's the the right time. It's the moment. 
to get the this opportunity because in in the past so I get a lot of chances for me for my family you know that football life so I have to make decisions uh, so right now I'm here so I have to to improve is I have to to make it's a good challenge for me so I hope it's a good season uh, for wake ups um, um, we can play very well and I know your brother played in the league with Chicago. How, how much do you know about the league? How much have you seen of Major League Soccer the last couple of years? I've seen a lot because uh, it's a, a few players from my country play here. Uh, Alvaro Saurio is in Washington now. So Ronnie Wallace played with Timbers. So I have uh, Ronald Matarrita is now in... New York, um, Johan Venegas, so Weldon Francis also. So we have a lot of Costa Ricans players here. Also, it's a league that we can see in my country in the television. So I think it's in big progress right now in the moment, uh, the MLS, because they they sign experienced players from big stars from Europe. So. Yeah, it's a good a good challenge, like I say. So I'm looking forward, you know, to, to start playing. And coming to a club like Vancouver, where there are so many Costa Ricans here already, and I know you, you kind of overlapped a little bit with Kendo at your time at Saprissa, does it help to fit in right away with all the, the sort of Spanish speakers here? Yes, that's, that's more easy. It's more fun in the dressing room also. So... For for me, it's, it's, it's like uh, my my friends, you know, speaking the same language. We are from the same country, yeah, so we can meet after the training. So that's that's nice. That's part of the the football. That's life. Also, we have to make friends. Um, yeah. So I like to to have Kendall, to have Yonder Jordan in the same team. And. A little bit about your career now. Now, going like way back, when you first started playing with Saprissa, yeah. you, you won the championship there and you, you won the CONCACAF Champions League, you were at the FIFA Club World Cup, everything like that. Yeah. What's your memories from back then? Because you're, you're such a young player. To have all that success so early in your career, how did that kind of shape you? No, you know, I think in football, it's not about young or experienced players that's if you are a good player or bad player that's that's it doesn't matter if you are 18 years old 17 years old so in that moment I feel right now in the same way I want to win uh, the games I want to win the you know titles uh, so I have to improve myself so I have to prepare you know I have to be in a good shape so that's helped uh, my teammates so I think that's football it's, it's no secrets about that, so nothing changed, it's still the same. So, of course, I have to, to improve, I have to challenge me, I have to help, you know, all the young players with a few teams, you know, I get some experience with playing in a high level with a, against good teams, good national teams, good players, so I get that experience, so I think... I am in that position to help the young players to to be calm, to just enjoy the game. So that's it for me. And the, when you went to the the Club World Cup and you you lost the semi final to Liverpool and it was mm. 
such a big experience. I mean, obviously the Whitecaps now, they're in the Champions League, so you've experienced that. In your career, where does that sit as a, an importance level, like getting to, to play against some of the top teams in the world? Mm, you know, it's fun. It's fun. Always, because we the players want to play the big, the big games. The atmosphere around, the teams in front, you know, the players, you get more... You are more enthusiastic, so you have to be focused in that game because small teams change, you know, that that games. So that's important to 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 keep it all the games to play like a group. I think in the moment you cannot play for yourself. You can see anything. If big player don't win anything, you have to play like. Strong team, you have to play together, you have to fight together. That's the key for anything in the world. Doesn't matter if you have Maradona, if you have uh, Gerard, that's that's it. I think that's that's the key in every every team. So I think that's important for us right now. We have good players here. We have good talented young players. We, we have we have uh, experienced guys. So I think we have good combination. So. We have possibilities to, to win the league, but we have to to play like a group together. And you've played in two World Cups with Costa Rica now. When you look back in them, what one gives you the, the most excitement to look back? The first one in 2006 or the last one in 2014 where Costa Rica went so far in the competition? I have... <laughs> uh, one is bad and one is really good. So I have both... So for me, it's both good experience. Of course, I enjoy more in Brazil 2014. So we make history, we make good games. We win against uh, strong national teams. Um, you know, all the world know how played Costa Rica. Everybody never forget that World Cup, also in my country, you know. So that's, I am very proud about that because I do something very special for my country, for my for my family, for my for my son, for my daughter. So in Germany it was more tough. I was more young. Uh, we lost uh, three games in a row. So it's not fun when you you go to the World Cup because uh, you want to to win, you want to, to enjoy. And when you go you go there in the second game you was out. So. It's sad, you know, it's sad because uh, you wait so many times, you work so many times for this moment and in two games you you out, so <laughs> everything goes down, but I get experience in that moment, so that helped me in Brazil 2014, so that's the revenge for me. And Costa Rican football just now, I mean, it's going, it's doing so well, both internationally and also at club level as well. What do you think has turned it around like, that's made the... Is it just that it's a good quality crop of players that are coming through just now? Or what is it? Is it more investment in the game in Costa Rica that's helping these players come through? I think, you know, in Costa Rica we love... Football is number one, you know, the sports. So every player in Costa Rica likes to play with the ball. It's more of a style like Brazilian football. We like to play, to, to follow, you know, Spanish league. So everything there is about football. So we want to improve. We want to to get that opportunity to 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 challenge. You know, to show how we play in Costa Rica. To learn also 
So I think when we play in, in Brazil, we opened you know, the doors for the players, the young players from Costa Rica, because nobody make excuse. No, it's from Costa Rica. In the past, that's the problem for us. We, we, we have some possibilities, many chances to go in the big clubs in Europe, but everybody was, oh, it's from Costa Rica. We don't know. So in the moment, nobody can say, oh, it's from Costa Rica. He's a good player. Because we already show, you know, in Brazil, um, that's happened in football. We make, I think, two steps in front to, to get that opportunity, to, to get that, that chances. And, like, you played your, your club football over in Europe. You were in Denmark and Norway. And I know you had the chances to go and play in England and so many different things happened yeah. that, that it all fell through. How did you find, well, first of all, how did you find the experience playing in, in Denmark and Norway? Seems a strange place to go, yeah. like cold place for someone from like Costa Rica. Yeah, but still, it's, it's, it's football, you know. That's that's what I, I'm talking about. We we want to 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 get that opportunity. For me, I get some chances, but I don't make it because many teams it's extra football, like I say. Um, I have back luck in that, in that time, but that football. So to live there, I. I get that experience because you know the weather, the culture, the language, everything is different. So I get it. I be more more strong. So that's what was uh, important for me in my career. So I'm very happy to, to play there. I enjoy also. Um, that's helped me to be right now. So who I am right now is because I be in these places. So I get that experience. You've, you've not really had too much chance to explore Vancouver yet because yeah. you've been travelling all over the place. From what you've seen so far, what do you think of the city? Oh, it's a beautiful city, yeah. I can, I can see... I've been there for a couple of days. And it's really, really beautiful in the city. They have everything. The culture is really nice. It's a, lo- a lot of uh, people from Asia, Canadian, from America. Uh, so... It's nice. I think uh, I like it too much. You know, it's it's perfect place for live there with my family, to enjoy football, to make a good year. So, yeah, I am happy to to be there. And just the very last thing, you've done so much in your career. What would you like to still achieve? What would you like to to still do footballing wise? Would it be to go to another World Cup? Would it be to win championships here what do you still feel that you would love to do you know like I say always I, I try I work you know knowing the future I, I work just in the in the moment to be in a good shape to to be ready for the games for the season of course that's important really important for me to to get uh, to play in the first 11 that's that's the important thing for me right now of course, I have my national team. Um, uh, it's, this year is really important for my country. to start, you know, the qualification games. So we don't know yet. I have age to, to play one more World Cup. Uh, that football, that's a challenge for me. But I have to fight. I have to enjoy it in the moment right now. Um, we can see in the future what is going on with everything in football. So in the moment, I'm very happy to be here with the White Cups, you know, the teammates. He's a really good player, really good guys also. So I think I enjoy 
every game, every season here with, with the guys. That's great. Thank you so much for your time today and good luck this season. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Chris. You're welcome. Thank you. So Christian Berlani is there, really great guy to speak to, lots of interesting stuff in his footballing career so far, especially the, the three times he could have gone to play in Europe and then it just didn't work out for him. But he's here in MLS now, he's here with the Whitecaps, and I just feel that out of all the players that the Whitecaps have added in the off-season, which isn't a lot, but out of all the players that they've added, that he is going to be the key difference maker for the team. But the thing is, is you're saying not a lot, but the, the additions they have made are all like you know, very solid additions. There's yeah. no, like, there's no throwaway addition where they just have to fill a, a roster spot or anything like that. And we had a strong team last year as well. Yeah. We've got to bear that in Like, mind. you think Bolognese, and I know we were going to talk about MLS, but just we'll give a second. Bolognese is obviously a starter capability. Kudo, uh, we, they brought him in to be a basically a starter or, or battle for that starting spot. Perez, they brought him in to be a backup, but he seems to be ready to start. He, he, that's surprising. I, he, he was very surprised. But I think the most surprising is Fraser Aaron. I did not expect him to wrestle away that starting spot. And I've said starting spot quite a bit. Um, that that position from Jordan Smith so easily. It was, yeah. it was so I figured, quickly, almost by the first game, uh, it was his. Yeah, I figured there would be like some competition that would go back and forth and back, but you know, so quickly and so easily too. Yeah. It was like he, it was basically uh, a walk in the park. For and him. I will put my hand up here and. When the White Caps signed him, I was very dubious about it. I thought that's because he was from the Rangers. Well, yeah, that as well. Don't call them the Rangers. We're going to get lots of hate mail. Oh, oh that's because he's from Rangers. I'm going to keep in the Rangers, but <laughs> just so you get all the hate mail. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm not a big Rangers fan or Celtic fan or Old Firm fan, just in general. But the Rangers are from the Glasgow, right? Yes, the Glasgow. The Glasgow. As is my mum, much to my chagrin. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, he's come in. I'll put my hand up and say I didn't think he was going to maybe be MLS quality, but he's impressed so far. We obviously haven't seen him in MLS games, but from what we've seen in pre-season, I like what he offers going forward. In particular, he's fantastic going forward, But you'd expect from a guy that used to be a right winger. Still some questions over his defensive abilities and ability to track back, but he's a lot better tracking back than Smith. But the thing is, he's he's a winger by, uh, but like for most of yeah. his career, so a short career. Yeah. But the, the, the career. defensive side will come. So it I mean, will come. Yeah. I mean, he's been good as well. And yeah, just last thing quickly on Perez. I think we've seen in preseason that what he offers the Whitecaps isn't just as a bench player. And Carroll's kind of said as well he will get some starts this year. And him and Rivero up front, maybe even him and Kudo up front, although they might be a little bit too similar. But that definitely interesting partnerships to maybe watch if Carroll wants to go for the, the two-striker role. So with the new season getting underway, let's have a, a little bit of a quick look to wrap the show up, just at MLS in general. There's been some big-name additions come in. There's been some big name players or biggish name players move on. Perry Kitchen gone to Hearts in Scotland. That, that was just recently, obviously. Just out of the blue. Well, no, they, they were talking about it at the draft that there were there was a chance that he wasn't returning. So I don't yeah, think but to Hearts just seems a little bit playing beside our good friend Dario Zanata now as well. So yeah, I, I think it's a wise decision by them to get these North Americans because it's a similar game and cheaper too. I think they're quite cheap, which Scottish people like. Well, yeah. Big, big, big on cheap. Looking at MLS, 
Eastern Conference, Western Conference. I was asked for one of the preview pieces that I, I, I did for a site, uh, Liquid Football. Check them out. It's an online magazine. Issue one is fantastic. Really good piece on Salford City manager there. And then issue two, they've got an MLS preview. So check that out, Liquid Football. But one of the questions I was asked for that is, did I think there was going to be any surprise packages in MLS this season? And when you look at surprise packages, you're kind of looking at the teams that maybe didn't make the playoffs last year. A lot of folk would maybe describe the Whitecaps as last year's surprise package. Not to us, if, if you'd followed them closely, you knew that Kyle Robinson was putting together a, a good squad. Maybe not as good as it turned out, but we, we knew it was going to be a good year. But yeah, if you're looking at surprise packages, you're looking at the teams that didn't make the playoffs. And if you look at those teams, there's not really any of them that you could see trying to take their conference by the, by the scruff of their neck. Orlando might be the, the team in the East that didn't make the playoffs last year that I think could get in. No, I'm opposite with you on that. I have them out of the playoffs. Really? Near the bottom. What, of what about New York City as well? I see them possibly sneaking in. I don't see I don't them know. taking it. I... They've done nothing that makes me think they're going to be any different to last year. But we don't know what the, because they, they they might be making all their moves in the summertime too because they made a lot. Well, they picked yeah, they've up got all their money. players in the summer. And Lampard showed up in the summer. Uh, Perlow showed up in the summer. So it's, they it's really how, yeah, to move. It's, it's how they settle in. And we have seen it so many times. Players that come for half a season struggle. Yeah. So, I mean, if they hit the ground running, they might make the playoffs. Orlando, I don't know. I've just got this sneaking feeling that they're, they're going to get in sixth spot. And someone like Montreal, if once Drogba goes, which I, I do think Drogba's going to go in the summer, or if he doesn't play that much or if he gets injured... I don't think they've got enough to be a playoff team. So I think there's one spot up up for grabs there. And I, I, I think Orlando, you think maybe New York City. The other teams, Chicago, Philadelphia in the East. I don't think they're making the playoffs. And I think DC United is the other fourth team. I have Philadelphia, Orlando, Chicago, and DC United. You think DC is going to fall I, down again? I, I just think they're, they're, they're up one year and they're down one year. It's like I think that this is the year they're down. And I think... Um, I think New York City FC takes their spot in the in the in the in the playoffs itself. I don't think there's. Um, I, I I I like doing where when I do predictions, I like seeing that team that is the surprise. But I don't see like you said, I don't see surprises on e- either no. conference. Like even Houston seems to be the same team from last year. Well, I mean, if you look at the four teams that that didn't make the playoffs in the in the West, you've got San Jose, Real Salt Lake, Houston Dynamo. Colorado Rapids. I, I see RSL, I feel like it has gotten worse even. I, yeah. I, 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 just I on thought, paper. Just I on paper. thought they would do... I thought they'd bounce back. I thought yeah. this would be the year for bouncing back. I could see them maybe even finishing bottom. That's where I actually have them. I have them at the bottom of the West. Uh, but the thing is, it's hard to tell because like, obviously we're not scouting all the players they're scouting they're bringing in. So it's hard to, it's hard to give that prediction. But just on paper, uh, the veterans, unless the veterans have a big bounce back season, it's going to be hard. To see them even even make have a sniff at the playoffs. Colorado, I think, has improved. I think they're probably the team that most improved, but they were so bad last year that it it's hard for them not to improve. San Jose and Houston, I didn't notice very many additions to their club of, of significance, um, and so I don't I don't see them. I see Houston probably being the closest, and the team I see them challenging with is Sporting Kansas City and Portland. I see Portland. A lot of people have Portland at the top of the West. I don't see them doing that at all. I think they had a fantastic run at the end of the year a good timing on that run and that's the way they won it and if not for that horrible call in the finals where it was clearly out of balance that ball um who knows if they even want to won the mls cup 
Yeah, and I mean, looking at Houston, they've brought in 10 players and two of them's from Philadelphia. Yeah, and Andrew Wenger the... and Christian Maidana. Maidana's, I like Maidana, he's not bad. And they brought Annie Barber in, who's, not, you know. Yeah, and Mansale as just... well from, from RSL. So but it's, it's just like n- a lot nothing, of retread. Nothing that excites me. I mean, they've brought players in from teams that didn't make the playoffs. So it's like, is that really strengthening them? No, I, I don't feel so. And the, the players, some of the players they lost are, you know, were seem to be solid veterans. I, I guess there was just, like, that's what I mean. It's like, seems like an even, even on the in, incoming and outgoing. San Jose, I mean, they, they've brought in Chad Barrett. They they brought back Simon Dawkins, yeah. who I think went to England for a couple of years. Yeah. And like Quintero from from Lobos or something, it's one of their other signings. I mean, he looks okay. We don't know. Will Wondolowski have a, a decent year? They came on strong towards the end, but I, yeah, I, I see them missing out as well. I think the top six that we saw in the West last year will be the top six that we see this year as well. It's just the placings might be a little different. See, the thing is, sporting. I, I was talking about like they they would seem like they were slipped, but they did bring in some veterans like like Brad Davis and Justin Mapp to, for their wings. Uh, I think their wings will be a lot stronger this year. Yeah, but, I mean that that's two really good additions for them. And they didn't lose too much either. Um, I think they're probably their toughest loss is a striker Nemeth. Yeah, but they still have Dom Dwyer there, so I don't know how much that makes a difference. But against Sporting Kansas City, Portland, and then uh, those are my fifth and sixth teams. Seattle would be uh, finishing fourth in my predictions behind FC Dallas. I have Vancouver in the same spot as second. And then I have the... Right now I have the Galaxy because it's hard not to predict the Galaxy because they spent all this money. Now, see, it's interesting you say that because jumping a little bit ahead, like LA Galaxy are my tip to win the MLS Cup. Yeah. But I don't think they're going to win the West. I think they'll win the West. I don't think they'll win the MLS Cup. Ah, interesting. But you look at their additions. Like... The, the cheap additions, you've got Mike McGee, a free agent, a guy that, that's done it in MLS and can score. You've got Jelly Van Dam, I'll call him after his performance against Santos on Tuesday night. Where he kind of <laughs> looks very, very jelly. Everyone's favourite asshole, Ashley Cole. Um, and rhymes too. Yeah, there's a really good chant, which when we play LA here, I'll, I'll be tweeting out for okay. the, the fans to, to sing very much with that. And of course, Nigel de Jong... Who's uh, very um, worried about Pedro Morales in that game, for sure, when they play the LA Galaxy. And a lot of money spent. How? Who knows? It's like it's just remarkable how they, they can fit all this in. Maybe when you win the MLS Cup, you get all this allocation money, even way more than we even think. Yeah, but and they it's didn't some even... reward that they've kept quiet and they've won it for all these years and then they get they, all this money. They, yeah, but what is it, like three years delayed? Well, they maybe invested <laughs> it in a three year bond or something. I don't, I don't know. But for me, I think... I, I'm tipping FC Dallas to win the West. I think the Whitecaps will finish second. LA third. Portland or Seattle fourth, fifth with them. And then Sporting Kansas City is sixth. That's what, what I have to. Similar. So watch out on AFTN. In the build-up to first kick, we've asked all our writers to kind of predict their, their 1-10 to 10 position. And then we're going to come up with an average and then who we think is going to win the MLS Cup and... Western Conference, Eastern Conference, Golden Boot, all that kind of stuff. So watch out for that on AFTN.ca. Before we, we get to our MLS Cup predictions, let's quick look at the at the East. We don't have to go through 10-1, to 1, but who do you think is going to win the Eastern Conference? I got uh, Columbus. I think uh, they will, I think, rebound from last year's MLS Cup loss. So, and I think Columbus, they haven't, they, haven't, they haven't lost really anybody. They brought in a few vets here and there. Corey Ash, I think, is going to be big for them on the wing. 
a fullback spot. Connor Casey's a good guy to be behind Kamara and be a guy off the bench. So I think they got something. I think they'll be uh, and they're they're situated on uh, geographically right in the middle. So they're not right in the middle, but they're close to the east, but close to the west too. So they don't have to do too much tr- less traveling than everybody else. My heart says Columbus, just basically because I don't want Toronto to win it, and I can't see past Toronto. Yeah, I, 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 I almost hate had to say it. I almost had TFC in the top spot. My one thing that I took them out was all the the games that the top players are going to miss. Uh, because there of the, the tournaments in the off season, uh, the, but, in the summer, and also, the, uh, if I remember correctly, the World Cup qualifying matches, there are very few that the MLS is taking the week off. I, th- I, I, well, I, I think I, maybe one weekend. The, the rumor was that they left it open to the clubs if they wanted to to not play in the international weekends, and the Whitecaps chose two in March. Yeah. Uh, the day after Canada Mexico, which is kind of bizarre. Yeah. So I I don't know if TFC did the choosing of the, they chose to do that or not. I can't remember, but I, I think that even then the, those players can be playing a lot of games, and uh, obviously the big tournament in the summertime, um, that will be the one where you're going to be missing a lot of players for an extended period. True. I, I just think they're going to be too strong. It, it's how they start with all the games on the road again. Yeah. It's like how they start with that. If they get off to a bad start, that could hit them winning winning the conference. I do have them, though, winning the conference, and I have them getting to the MLS Cup Wow. against LA Galaxy. Wow. I, the other thing is about the Toronto is, uh, will Giovinco be there in the summertime? You're talking about Drogba. Maybe somebody, yeah. some Ita- Serie A team, like mid-table, well, wants him back. Maybe he wants to go back at that point. Jovinko's had a lot of interest. Barcelona seemed to be interested. If someone comes in with a, a big deal, you can see MLS going, yep. Yeah. But and then they're, they're losing a, a big guy. I can also see him being the MVP again. It's kind of hard to see past him right now. If, and if they've spent a lot of money up top, like not not up top, like uh, on the field, but up top on their roster. Like the top of their roster is a lot of money spent. The bottom of their roster is like a lot of lackluster depth players. So if they got run into injury issues, which every MLS team does eventually, that could hurt them down the road too. Like Vancouver is spread out um, from one to you know twenty eight. Uh, TFC is a lot a more yeah. a top heavy. Few injuries. Spending, crossing our fingers for a few injuries. Because if you're spending two hundred fifty thousand dollars on uh, Betish or and I don't know if that's the amount, but if you're spending that much of the, on on there, that you know you're you're not spending money somewhere else. Yeah, Betish or is injury prone. Yep, definitely hurts his butt a lot. Yeah. Hashtag. Who's your MLS Cup final tip then? Oh, I had uh, uh, FC Dallas and New York Red Bulls. And I have the Red Bulls winning. And your prediction on how far the Whitecaps will go playoff-wise? Conference finals. I agree. I just have them losing to LA. You just have them losing to Dallas. Yeah, and you know what? <laughs> and, and a little bit me doesn't want to predict M- Vancouver in the MLS Cup because I don't want to jinx them. Yeah. So I'm I'm hoping to be wrong. I will say though, we have an excellent shot at making it this year. Yeah. I. Oh, I do. I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I think although I'm going for top... LA, I just think their money bags spending will will come into play. Yeah. I I do think though that if Vancouver can keep their squad healthy, and that's a big if with Pedro, Manny, Bolanius, or Eisted went down injured, or Laba, then big... Depth's good, but big losses there. I I think we could go far, and 
a lot of the players were confident at, at training on Tuesday. A few of them even talking about, hey, MLS Cup is within the possibility. Oh, I, I think everybody should be confident. Marco Bustos told me in in Portland that with the, the score the Whitecaps have, that the Whitecaps could win MLS easily. Oh, you know, and the, confidence is a good thing to have. I know a lot of people say, oh, do you want to give people bulletin board material and stuff like that? But you got to be confident in your team. Bulletin board, wow, we're going back to the 90s. Well, that's what they still say. They, say, they still say it to this day. That I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm not. Nobody that. says uh, email or or the click click up or uh, whatever. The, oh, it's all Snapchat yeah, and WhatsApp Snapchat, and Periscope yeah. these days, anyway. So that's that's our thoughts on the the season to come. Send us some some thoughts on Twitter at AFTN Canada, and we'll we'll read those out for our post game show on Saturday because we're going to do a post game show after the the win over Montreal, yeah. the first kick. So just before we, we wrap this episode up, Steve, just let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. You can find me on Twitter, as I said, at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. I'm also the Whitecaps Beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com. There's a lot of stuff going up before first kick, just little snippets that we've done for season previews and, and guides and some Whitecaps stuff for that. So we'll be back, as we say, after the, the win against Montreal. So until then, as always, thanks for listening, take care, and mon the caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.